And most of the Gospels and the other three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Jesus' final dinner, his final dinner with his friends and his disciples, the center point of the meal, the focal point, is when Jesus gives us communion. But in John's Gospel, this is the story that finds the center point in the final meal. So listen for a word from God. In the gospel according to John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He said to Simon Peter, or he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. But Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For Jesus knew who was to betray him, and for this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After Jesus had washed their feet, he put on his robe and returned to the table. And he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Fyodor Dostoevsky is a famous writer of mine. He's written such literary classics as Crime and Punishment and the Brothers Karamazov. He was writing in the mid-1800s when there were very distinct classes in his society. There was the uh, ruling class, those who were in royalty, the royalty class who governed the entire country. There was the aristocracy class uh, who owned pretty much all of the land. These people were educated and literate. Then there were the lower classes who worked the clerkships, who worked some of the menial other jobs they might 
have a little bit of education, but most likely not. And then finally, you had the serfs or the peasants who worked the land that the aristocracy owned. Dostoevsky's first novel that brought him into the literary scene was a novel called Poor People. And it was a series of letters between two lovers who were both in poor circumstances. One was a lowly clerk who was constantly berated by the officer and superiors that he worked under. And one was a woman who lived in a poorhouse. Now, this book was not written for the masses because they couldn't read or afford books. It was written for the elites, for the aristocracy, as they were the ones who would pay him to write. And Dostoevsky writes with such passion about the deep shame and anxiety of the young clerk when he's teased by the officers in his company, his self-consciousness and deep emotions that he pours into these letters. Dostoevsky continues and writes about the tortured love of these young lovers, that the li their lives which are marred by self-consciousness, but also the harshness of their circumstances. And yet, in the midst of all these difficulties, their love for each other shines through that darkness. And so, in effect, what Dostoevsky is doing is something very subversive. He's implicitly saying to a society that even a young clerk on the lonely, lowliest level, even a young girl in the very poorest of backgrounds has the same refined feelings, the same sensitivities, the same sense of justice as those originating in a much higher social order. Which may sound obvious to us today, but what Dostoevsky was doing was completely rewriting the social order in which he lived. He was challenging those in power, and through his stories, he was instilling a subversive moral revolution. Jesus here is doing what Dostoevsky is doing times a thousand. He's shattering the moral order of his society. Jesus flips the world on its head and then calls the world to something new something more. Jesus was in a world of hierarchy where the Roman patres familias consisted of the male head of just not only his immediate family but extended family and slaves and would make all the decisions for everyone. It was a patriarchal system. It was a world that was governed by rule and ruled by rituals and ethics of shame and honor. And then Jesus Christ, the Son of God, humbles himself to the lowliest station and serves his disciples by washing their feet. As Kathy mentioned, the act of washing the feet was often the job of the household servant, or in some occasions, the host. And here we have the rabbi, God incarnate, the creator of the universe, who humbles himself to the point of a lowly servant so that he can care for his disciples. This is a prophetic act of revelation, a revelation of who our God is, that our God is not one who is bound by human hierarchies, not bound by human social norms, not bound by human orders of power, but will shatter all so that we can see what self-giving love looks like, what Christian self-giving service can look like embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus demonstrates that Christian love is about serving the community, the compassionate care for others. You know, throughout the Gospel of John, I don't know if you've picked this up as we've worked our way these past few months through John, but John is a highbrow book. It has all these mysterious metaphors. It has callbacks to the other Gospels. It has this incredible use of irony. It's a very difficult literary work. But here, Jesus doesn't leave any mystery in his act. John doesn't have any nuance in his writing. Jesus spells it out exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. He says, if I, your Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. It's almost as if Jesus is super concerned we're going to miss the point. It's almost like Jesus knows us. And so he lays it out exactly. Church, we are called to serve. No matter what vocational position we are in, no matter how much money we make or how little money we make, no matter what excuses we make, no matter the busyness of our lives, we are called to love and to serve one another. To serve others in a humble manner. No matter how society has placed us, no matter how society has formulated or ordered us, Jesus reminds us that if we truly serve him, then we must serve in the deepest form of humility. Jesus humbles himself, not just to the point of a servant in this story, but then later we know that he humbles himself to the point of a criminal. So Jesus says, if I can humble myself to the lowest point, cannot you also so we can serve others? But there's something else happening in this story, something else I think we're called to in addition to serving others. And for this congregation, it might be all the more terrifying. I know it is for me. And it has to do with Peter. Peter reacts with total indignation, deep concern that the rabbi is humiliating himself in this public setting. How improper for a rabbi to wash his disciples' feet. It's scandalous, and Peter's pride initially will not let it happen. But Jesus forces Peter to have a seat and to receive the gift of service, the gift of grace, the gift of being cleansed. The servants who washed, uh, who often washed the feet, but sometimes it was also the host. So Jesus acts as servant, but also as hospitality incarnate. And you know, many of us are helpers. Many of us are doers. We want to care for others. We want to fix problems. We want to solve issues. But when we have problems of our own, the thought of asking for help or receiving help is terrifying. Here, Jesus reminds us to allow ourselves to be served by the community. And to be honest with you all, I am the worst culprit of this. I was writing this sermon and I was like, oh no, this is talking to me. Because we want to care for the community, but then when someone wants to care for us, we say, no, 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 I got it. Don't worry about it. 
It's okay, I can figure this out. Yet in doing so, we may be robbing someone of their call to serve because of our own pride. I'm unsure if any of you have done a foot washing before, either in a small group or in a church setting. And I can tell you I've done it and I've been the foot washer and the washy. And being the washer is a thousand times easier than being the washy. To be in a vulnerable position of being helped. But that's what God calls us to is a community that helps one another and allows ourselves to receive help from other. Jesus, again, shatters our cultural preconceptions. Not just in his day, but in our day. Everything in our world tells me that denying help is what it means to be a good individual human. Brushing off the cares is easier because it's just easier for me to do it. But we see that to be vulnerable, to allow yourself to be helped, to ask for help, then grows into this beautiful thing we call the church. Because I can guarantee you, if you ask for help in this congregation, you will receive it. And not only that, your relationship with another person will grow and the love and compassion of God will flow between you. And communities formed. Grace is brought to earth. So church, let us follow in the footsteps of Jesus, following what he has modeled. But let us also live into the story of Jesus. Let us go into the world with a servant's humility, a worker's heart, eyes that are constantly on the lookout for those who need care. But let us also live into the story and be able to receive grace. Grace first from God, the cleansing water of his love and care. But let us also receive and participate in the love of the community. Be it sharing a meal together, asking for help with your gutters, praying together, sharing coffee. Let us enter into a life that is passing back and forth the grace and love that we have first received from Jesus Christ. I have no fancy words to end this sermon, so I'm just going to take a word out of Jesus' book and say simply this. Jesus has shown us self-giving love. Jesus has given us unending love. Jesus has demonstrated service. Let us go and do likewise. Amen.